Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, 1 through 10, and chapter 3, 14 through 21. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is his surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that has now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest." But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved 
and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Wow, are you excited? Isn't that just to hear those verses, those passages of scripture? That's what we're going to focus on this first hour with you this morning because what greater news than what this passage teaches us. So we want to tear apart this passage and talk today about what is a worthy walk? How do we do a worthy walk? Why are we to walk worthy? And our first session is going to be why, why we're to walk worthy, what we've been given in him. So we're going to be talking about that. I wish that I could just tell you it's just these easy steps. Just do this and this and this and this and go about your merry way and your life will be all just a bed of roses and it's an easy path, right? You all laugh because you know that's not true, right? Because we're living life, ladies. We're in the midst of life. I've been a believer for 57 years and I wish I could say I've got it all together. I wish I could say my trail is always smooth. I never sin. (laughs) That's not true. God is always faithful. God has always, always been faithful to me. But you know what? I can't say I've always been faithful. And I see my wretchedness before him many, many times. But what I want to share with you today is the things that God has taught me on this journey of how to do this. How do we keep pressing on in this? And so that is why our focus for this first hour is really going to turn into a time of just worshiping and understanding who we are in Christ, what we've been given in him, how he enables and helps us, and why we should be walking worthy. So we hope that your heart, no matter, I see a great group of women out here. I see young women who are just starting maybe on this journey of faith. I see, you know, middle-aged women. I see older women and those who are nearing the end of this journey. And yet I pray that all of you will be encouraged this morning. I don't know what your walk is looking like right now, what you're facing in your life. 
Maybe it seems like a giant hill, a mountain you're trying to climb, or maybe you're in that valley, but maybe you're in the field of lilies and you're like, woohoo, I'm doing really well right now. I hope that this will still encourage in each and every one of us through what we're going to share. And I'm sorry, I don't have any really funny stories this time. I'm, <laughs> although I did have a friend say to me last week that she pulled a Pat Phileas and I'm thinking, what? What are you talking about? What's a Pat Phileas? But anyway, we're going to get, jump into this chapter, this first chapter of Ephesians 1 and 2 and 3 and just share with you this next hour what, why. Why we're to walk worthy, what we've been given in him. So faith is going to begin this part, and we're going to kind of go back and forth because we wanted you to really get this and not just like, oh, I've heard Ephesians 1 50 times or 100 times. So we want to just really keep you awake. (laughs) We know it's first hour. So faith is going to start out, and like Jen said, she is like the Energizer Bunny. So go ahead, Faith. (laughs) Well, good morning, ladies. I, too, want to welcome you and thank you all for taking time out of your Saturday to spend immersed in Ephesians. In this first session, Pastel will be going back and forth, highlighting God's work of redemption in the passages that I quoted this morning. There is a richness in these passages that we want to savor. Everything that will be taught on today flows out of what we see in these first few chapters. We have no ability to walk worthy apart from Christ's work on our behalf. Am I on? I'll try switching it off. Am I on now? Can you hear me in this? He's getting me. There is a richness in these passages that we want to savor, ladies. Okay, Everything that will be taught on today flows out of what we see in these first few chap- chapters. Excuse me. We have no ability to walk worthy apart from Christ's work on our behalf. He chose us, redeemed us, sealed us, raised us, seated us, and created us. For good works. All according to the kind intention of his will. To the praise of his glory. So it is our desire today that you will let these truths permeate, wash over you this morning. And your heart will overflow with thanksgiving. While also being encouraged with the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe which enables us to walk worthy. Let's jump into Ephesians 1 and see why we walk worthy. Read along with me verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. Paul starts off praising the Lord for blessing us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We deserve nothing good, but he freely gives us the very best blessings 
in Christ. The first of those blessings and a reason why we walk worthy is because we have been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. The doctrine of election is God the Father choosing or selecting us out of the people he would create. Through the magnificent drama of redemption that he would work out in his son, Jesus Christ. All of this took place in eternity past, before the conception or foundations of the world had taken place. This results in people who would be holy, set apart to the Lord, sacred, pure, and blameless, without blemish, fault, or spot. It is only possible to be holy and blameless through Christ's sacrifice. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Salvation and sanctification are an internal work on the heart, which then overflows to our external actions. Some of you know how much I love Spurgeon, so I couldn't resist (laughs) quoting from him. He says, Electing love has selected some of the worst to be made the best. If God has set his choice upon us, let us aim to be choice people. We walk worthy because we have been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Let's move on to verses 5 and 6 of this passage. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. We walk worthy because he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Let's first note the phrase, in love. This shows God's affection and benevolence toward sinners. He determined, before time as we know it began, to set his love and kindness upon us. He did so by adopting us through Christ. We are familiar with the beautiful picture of adoption in a worldly sense. Setting your love upon a child, bringing them into a family that will nurture and care for them. How much greater that God determined to bring us into the family of God as beloved children. Ephesians 2.3 reminds us that we were children of wrath, separated from God. But Colossians 1.13 tells us that God rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. We are children of God, no longer children of wrath. This was according to the kind intention of his will or the delight and good pleasure of his determination and choice. 
all to the praise of the glory of his grace, his unmerited favor, which he freely gave to us who are beloved of God, just as Christ his son is. We see in Romans eight seventeen that as children of God, we are fellow heirs with Christ. This includes being heirs of his righteousness, his resources, his privilege, his position, and his power. We walk worthy because we have been adopted into the family of God. So I hope you're getting this, ladies. What great, great things God has bestowed upon us. But the next thing I want to look at is starting in verse 7 about why we are to walk worthy. And this is the key. This is really one of the major keys. In him, we have redemption. Why do we walk worthy? Because he redeemed us. What does it mean to be redeemed? It means to buy back. You see, when we were born, we're born with a sin nature And we were part of the kingdom of darkness, as Faith quoted that verse about, we were part of the kingdom of darkness. We belonged to Satan, and our end was going to be death, eternal death, separated from God. But God redeemed us. He bought us back out of that and brought us into his kingdom. And so this ransom, this redemption, has secured for us our justification Do you know that in God's eyes, he sees you robed in the righteousness of Christ? He sees you as righteous. He sees you as sin as he has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. He's forgiven you. So in God's eyes, you are standing before him as righteous because of this redemption that he has procured for us. This redemption also frees us from the curse of the law that would judge us and condemn us and send us to hell for all eternity. It also procures, I can't say that word, procures for us victory over the power of sin, a power of the grave, and frees us from death and destruction. So how does he redeem us? Let's continue with this verse. And it says, begin, it started out in him. In him we have redemption. Ladies, there is no other way to be justified in God's sight for us to be redeemed except through Christ. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. There is no other way. We cannot in our own strength, our own will, our own way ever achieve Uh, ability to be good enough in God's eyes. We are all sinners, but it's in Christ. He became sin for us who knew no sin. So that what? So that we would be righteous. And there's a redemption in him. We have this redemption, but it's only through his blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin in Hebrews 9.22. So you see, a life had to be given up. Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God, spotless without sin. He laid down his life, shed his blood in order for us to be redeemed, taken out of that kingdom of darkness, moved into the kingdom of light. If that doesn't get your blood pumping, if that doesn't get you excited this morning, I don't know what will, because that is, isn't it amazing what he's done for us? Mm -hmm. If we stop and pause and think about that. And it's not just this, one act, but it, this verse goes on. It was according, 
It was the forgiveness of our trespasses. Our sins, I already said, been forgiven and removed as far as the east is from the west. But it was according to the riches of his grace. It's because of him and his grace towards us getting what we don't deserve. We didn't deserve that. We didn't do anything that is worthy for him to buy us back out of the kingdom of darkness. It was because of his grace to us, his mercy to us. And it's not only that it was the richness of his grace which he lavishes on us. Can you imagine, you know, we think of being lavished as going to the spa and being lavished for the day and all this wonderful stuff. But God lavished his grace upon us in wisdom and insight. So that's what how he redeems us. But what does our redemption secure? What have we been given in Christ because of this redemption he's given to us? In verses 9 through 10, he goes on. He goes on, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the stumbling of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. And you're like, well, what's all that mean? Well, if you read the book of Ephesians, the book he's writing to, he's one of the things he's revealing to them is this mystery of the church, that the Gentiles were far off. They were not part of Israel. They were not part of the commonwealth, the blessings. So God in Christ Jesus has brought the two together and united them. They brought in. And what what was accomplished through Christ's death on the cross is that it unites us to God. There's peace between us and God. So we're united with him. Our redemption unites us to him. And then it goes on in verse 11. It says, in him also... We haven't obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, predestined before the world began to be his child. Before the world, did you get that? Before the world was even created, God knew he was going, you were going to be a part of his family. He predestined you to be his child and not only just his child to be adopted in and just maybe scoot in and okay uh, you you're just you're just barely making it in no he says he has an inheritance for us an inheritance waiting in heaven for us that we can't even begin to imagine because of our redemption and he has this inheritance for us waiting to be his own possession. Isn't that amazing? Verse 13 goes on. It says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Here's another amazing thing. So we heard the gospel. We've heard the gospel. We'll be sharing the gospel throughout the day today. The gospel is that Jesus died on the cross to pay the punishment for my sin. You believed, you heard that, you accepted him as your savior. And when we do that, you know what God gives us? He puts his Holy Spirit, this comforter within us, and he seals us up. I know a lot of times you put stuff in Ziploc bags and you kind of seal it and you're hoping what? Nothing leaks out all over your refrigerator. Well, you know what? The Holy Spirit's not going to leak out of us. We're sealed. When God (laughs) seals it, it's sealed. And it isn't a pledge of what we're going to and in waiting, it's a promise that 
what God is going to give it is going to be there for us in eternity. So he seals us with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk more about the power of that Holy Spirit that God has placed within us. And he's going to fulfill that promise that we will never be separated from him. There's nothing. Once you've been sealed with that Holy Spirit that can ever separate you from the love of God. I mean, Romans tells us, you know, tribulation, distress, persecution. There's nothing that can separate you. Verse 18, we're going to move down to verse 18, then says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So because of his redemption, we can know this hope hope of his calling this assurity of what we have isn't it great to have hope it's not a kind of hope like well i'm hoping that tomorrow or i'm hoping next week this and this happens it's not that kind of hope it's a, a sure hope a hope that we know is going to take place and we have this hope in eternity that we have this inheritance waiting there for us this hope so if you are feeling hopeless today Because this is what we have in Christ. We have hope. And another reason he redeemed us is so that we would know the surpassing greatness of this power. Often we're walking in a way that we don't feel very like we have very much power over our life. Our power of where we're going or what's happening. That word power means a miraculous power, a strength. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, it says in verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one that is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So our redemption has given us this position with Christ. He's placed his Holy Spirit within us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, in Romans 8 it tells us, is dwelling in us. So we do have power, ladies, over sin, but it's not our power. And we're going to talk about that more in the next session. So just to review, you know, what does, why do we walk worthy? Because we've been redeemed. We've been redeemed. And um, there is much to praise the Lord because of that redemption. All right, ladies, let's move into chapter 2 of Ephesians and see what we were before Christ. I'll read verses 1 through 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. We walk worthy because we were once dead in our sins, walking according to the course of this world. Before Christ, we were spiritually dead with no ability to save ourselves, no merit to deserve to be saved, 
and no desire for the things of God. We lived how people separated from God lived, according to the course of this world. 1 John 2.16 tells us that all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The worldly system, which promises so much happiness and hope, fails to deliver on either and fails to make us spiritually alive. We follow after the prince of the power of the air, Satan, and choose to disobey God. Matthew Henry, a Puritan preacher, writes, They conform their lives and actions to the will and pleasure of this great usurper. The course of their lives are according to his suggestions and in compliance with his temptations. Verse 3 goes on to share that we all lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind. We gave free reign to whatever our flesh and mind craved. All the way back in Genesis 6, we see that every intent of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. The corruption of mankind that we saw at the beginning of the world is the same corruption we are born into now. A companion verse to this is Romans 8, 7. The mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Later in Romans 8, it states that we were slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which resulted in further lawlessness. We were slaves to sin, hostile toward God, unable and unwilling to obey the law of God. We were children of wrath. Under God's rightful anger and judgment, which would result in eternal damnation if God did not intervene. We walk worthy because we were once spiritually dead, but God. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We walk worthy because God made us alive through Christ. The motive for God's salvation of us is found in himself. His rich mercy And his great love and his free grace made us alive in Christ. There is no good in us that would cause God's infinite love to be poured out upon us. He quickened us when we were dead in our transgressions. But there's further blessings in verse 6. Read with me. And he raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. These past tense verbs indicate that although it has not physically happened yet, 
It is as though it has already taken place. It is absolutely certain we will be raised and seated with him in the heavenly places. When God the Father raised Christ and seated him at his right hand, he became the forerunner of these blessings that we will experience in glorification. What was God's purpose in doing all of this? Verse 7 says, So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now and for all eternity, he will be glorified by demonstrating his supreme riches, the wealth of his favor and goodness toward us. A recent article I read put it this way. New vistas of insight and wonder will ever be rolling over us like successive waves, thereby heightening the grandeur of grace. The things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, don't they? Verses 8 to 10 are very familiar to most of us. They read, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. These verses confront two sins that continually come out of us, self-dependence and self-exaltation. We are called to salvation by grace through faith. Lest we somehow think this faith is from ourselves, we are reminded it is a gift from God, not resulting from any merit or any work of ours. With no room for boasting or self-exaltation. God's people, after being called by grace, are kept by the power of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We are his workmanship, a new creation in Christ. We have been created for good works, which God ordained and appointed before the foundation of the world. These are the evidences of genuine faith. Matthew Henry expounds on this idea by saying, by blessing us with the knowledge of his will and with the assistance of the Holy Spirit, we should glorify God by our perseverance in holiness. We walk worthy because God made us alive through Christ. Well, I hope your hearts are being encouraged as you think about the truths we've been speaking of this morning as to why we walk worthy, because of who we are in Christ, what we've been given. This is why we do. And I want to just conclude this last part of why we walk worthy with Paul's prayer. He starts out in verses chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. 
Um, he, he starts out by saying, for this reason. He also starts out chapter 3 with those same words, for this reason. For what reason? For who we are in Christ, what we've been given, why we are to walk in a manner worthy, um, why we've been put into this body of Christ. And it says, for this reason, Paul says, I'm going to pray for you. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, we've seen that a lot this morning, haven't we? He may grant you to be strengthened. He may grant you to be strengthened. This is Paul's prayer. From reading what we've talked about so far this morning, is so that you will be strengthened, and that word strengthen means to be made strong. So you will be made strong in your walk for the Lord. Not only to be strengthened, but with power. With power. And that is that miraculous power, that miraculous strengthening that is outside of us, that God just enables us. And it goes on and it says, through his spirit. Remember, he said his spirit that he put within us. That's where our strength comes from, ladies, to walk in a manner worthy. is through the spirit. And where does the spirit reside in our inner being? He doesn't say he's going to come and fix all of it on our outside and make our life so bearable and wonderful that we'll just have this nice, smooth road. And thank you, Lord, for you're so good. You just gave me this nice, straight path. Don't we love to be able to see where we're going? I mean, we don't. I hate curvy roads. I really don't like curves. <laughs> and those mountains, you know, they can be a little scary. But we like to see where we're going. Why? <laughs> because we want to know what's coming. But he doesn't do that. He says, I'm going to strengthen your inner being, your inner spirit, not the outward, but the inner. And he says in Corinthians, our outward man is wasting away day by day, but our inner man is what being renewed day by day. Where does that inner strength come from? It comes from him. In Proverbs, it says to guard our hearts, to be diligent, to watch over them, because out of it flow the issues of life. So when our inner being is not being strengthened, we see all kinds of things coming out of us, right? We as women are really good at that. Um, But it's through his spirit in your inner being. And he goes on in that verse, he says, so that... Why does he strengthen us? Why does he give us this power? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This worthy walk is a walk of faith. It's one we can't see. It's one we don't know what's coming. And um, Hebrews 11.6 says, says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that seek him. So faith is, without faith it's impossible to please God. So to have a pleasing, worthy walk, um, we have to have faith in our hearts. Where does that faith come from? Through Christ that dwells in us, through that spirit that's within us. So he gives us all of this. That we can walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. Um, and he goes on in this verse, and there's so much in this this prayer. In fact, 
I love this prayer. I have prayed this prayer for my family every single day for years and years and years and prayed for each one of them that they would know this strength, that they would know this power, that they would know this work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. And it goes on that they would be rooted and grounded. What does it mean to be rooted and grounded? How often in our walks are we just all over the place, up and down and back and forth and being tossed around? It says we will be rooted and grounded. Have you ever tried pulling out a really stubborn root or a tree or a plant and you're like you work so hard and you just can't get it out? It just won't come out. We're to be like that. We're to be stubborn, strongly rooted and grounded, not in our own selfish sin, but in what? In him, in love, in love, and understanding that amazing love he has for us. This is our firm foundation that does not move. He is our rock that is higher than us. He is our strength. He's our helper. He's our God. He's our refuge. He's our strong tower that we can run to. This is what we're to be rooted and grounded in. So that we're to be rooted and grounded so that we may have strength to comprehend, to understand what you've been given in him with all the saints, to understand what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ. There is no end to the love of Christ. As far as we could go one way or the other way or as high as we could go or as low as we could go, there's no end to the love of Christ for you, for us. It goes beyond anything that we could comprehend. It's surpassing knowledge. And why? So that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you feel filled up? Do you feel so full of the Lord that... You just are joyous no matter what comes along in your walk. That's what we're going to talk about more today. How do we do that? How do we keep that? How do we keep moving in the right direction? You know, we fail. We fail. We fall down. We skin our knees. We get off trail and off into the mud and muck and mire and the tangly woods. But, you know, we got to keep persevering. Because it says, it's not us. (laughs) It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to that power that works within us. We do not give God the credit. We do not ask God for the help to walk this worthy walk. He gives us the power to do this because of the power that's at work within us. And then it says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever And forever. So, what amazing chapters. These first three chapters are filled with doctrine of why we walk worthy. Because it is a faith journey. Once we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we must walk by faith. And faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, according to Hebrews 11.1. So it's not us being able to see this walk that's ahead and I'm going to keep walking that walk because I I can see what's coming and I'm okay with it. (laughs) Faith is walking when I can't see what's coming and I'm still okay with it (laughs) and trusting him. So we have to walk by faith and it only comes through this relationship we have in him because he redeemed us. He called us. 
He chose us. He predestined us. He put his spirit within us. He empowers us. He gives us his strength. And he loves us. Because of his love and his grace given to us, we have a hope that this life, this struggle, this journey we're on, ladies, here in this world right now, this is not our home. Our inheritance is in eternity. That is what we're pressing on towards, that upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There are days I just long to finally be with my Savior, my Redeemer in eternity. Because then there will be no more sin that I have to look at my Savior and know that I keep sinning. It's like, God, I'm trying, but it just keeps sneaking in there in different ways. And to be able to be face-to-face with him and not have sin between me and my Savior, I long for that day. It's not that I have a morbid morbid desire to die. I mean, I'm not like, oh, take me out, Lord, I wish I could just die. No, I'm just longing. The things of this earth are growing strangely dim. And I am ready to see my Lord face to face. So I have an inheritance reserved, unfading in heaven for me. And so here what we are called to do is continue to give the Lord the glory. And it begins with an understanding of who we are and what we've been giving. So there's many things to rejoice and be thankful this morning. And so we wanted to... um, I feel like often we don't take time to do this next thing we're going to do, and that is to spend some time in worshiping and praising God for what he's given us. Do you know, we often hear, you know, we do these things to bring God the glory. You know what, I'm a sinner, and I don't always bring God the glory, but God already has all the glory he needs. He doesn't need me. (laughs) It's, It's true. He doesn't need any of the gifts or talents I have to worship him, praise him. Because he said he already has all the glory. He just wants us to ascribe to him the glory that is already his. In Psalm 29, 2, it says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. How often in our walks do we take time just to worship him, just to reflect upon who he is, what he's given us, what we've seen in these verses this morning. So we're going to just spend a little bit of time in prayer this morning. And I hope that as we're going to pray through some of the attributes of God and who God is. And I hope as, as we pray and as we um, bring up forth these attributes that you can just reflect on God's in your life and the work God has been doing in your life. And what you've been given in him and who he is. So I hope you can, will just join with us. You want to just come on over, Faith? And we're going to just pray back and forth and pray through some of these attributes. And in your hearts, just pray along. Pray, maybe praise God for something he brings to your mind. Of something that you, you know, has seen God work in your life and how he has been this to you. So let's just bow our heads. And um, we'll spend a couple minutes here praying. Oh, Father God, I do thank you that you are our God. That you, before the foundation of the world, you called us and chose us to be your own. That you 
put your love upon us and predestined us and adopted us and revealed to us the truth of the gospel, revealed your son Jesus to us. Thank you that, Lord, you had a plan to redeem us, to buy us back from the, the sin that has condemned us, the law that points out that we have fallen short, that all of us have fallen short of your holiness, that only you, Lord, alone are holy. You alone are perfect and righteous in every way. And the angels cry out day and night, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Lord, we can't imagine your holiness as we've seen in Scripture that no one could even look upon you because of your holiness. And Isaiah when he was in your throne room before your throne and he just cried out woe is me i am a man of unclean lips because god you are holy you are set apart yet in your holiness lord you had compassion upon us in your holiness you were merciful and gracious and lord because of your great love because you are a loving god a god of love that we can even begin to understand what love is. Lord, we cannot love the way you are, the way that you love, but Lord, um, we just can see a small glimpse that you are a loving God and you have loved us well in so many ways. You have sent your son Jesus. You so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son that whoever believes in you will not perish but have everlasting love. Lord, you have poured your love out upon us in amazing ways. We are so thankful of your love and that we can never be separated from that love. We can never be in a place where your love is not evident. Father, I just thank you and praise you for the way that you have loved us. And I I thank you, Lord, that you also are a just God because we often want justice in our own hearts. We often want things to be made right that we see as wrongs. But, Lord, your justice is perfect. You are a just God who will punish every iniquity. And in the end, you will make things right. But, Lord, you are not just a just God who judges us, but your justice is also loving. You are both always, always loving and always just. And it's hard for us to comprehend, Lord, that you are always all of these things. That you are always loving to us, always full of justice and will punish sin. Father, I just praise you for these attributes that we can only get a glimpse of and kind of begin to understand. But we thank you for these things, Father. Lord, I ask you that you would preserve us and to allow us to take refuge in you. We pray along with the psalmist that you are our Lord. We have no good besides you. Lord, we know that you are the portion of our inheritance. We praise you, Lord, that you have counseled us through your word. Help us to set you before us continually so that we will not be shaken. Lord, our heart rejoices and is glad in you, and we know that our flesh will dwell securely because you will not allow our soul to be abandoned. 
Lord, you make known to us the path of life. And in glory, in your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand as pleasures forever. Lord, that is grace, and we praise you for it. We know that you have declared of yourself that you, the Lord, are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. Thank you for that loyal love as we fail, but you do not. Lord, we know that you are all-powerful. We say with Jeremiah, Behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power, and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. We know that the sun is the radiance of your glory, the exact representation of God's nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. Help us never to think that anything is too difficult for you, Lord, to ascribe the glory that is due to you because of your merciful, gracious, powerful Lord that we have, that we get to worship and serve. Father, I thank you that you are omnipresent, that there is nowhere we can go from your spirit or where I can flee from your presence. If I ascend to heaven, you are there, Lord. And if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. And if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Lord, I thank you that you are everywhere. There is nowhere I can go from your presence. Even in the deepest, darkest trial I could be in, Lord, you are always there with us. You never abandon us. You will never leave us. You are everywhere present. And, Lord, I thank you that you are omniscient and you know all things. You know what lies ahead. You know what goes before me, behind me, around me, Father. There is nothing that you do not know. You know how many hairs are on the top of my head. You know when I sit and when I stand and what I'm going to say before I even say it. Father, you are near to us. You are an all-knowing God. Help us to put our trust in you because, Lord, you know all things. We do not. We're limited. We're not God. We're not omniscient. We're not powerful, Lord. We are weak. And we need you. We need your presence. We need your wisdom, Father, that you give freely and bestow upon us, Father. Thank you for these amazing attributes of yours that we can praise you now for and trust you and come to you because, Lord, you are worthy. Lord, we praise you that you are eternal. We pray along with the psalm that before the mountains were born or you gave birth to the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Lord, we know that um, you do not change. You are immutable. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And that you declare of yourself in Malachi, for I, the Lord, do not change. 
So many things in this world change, Lord, for us. But we can rest upon you, the solid rock. We can stand, knowing that all other ground is sinking sand, but not you, Lord. Lord, in your eternal, as being an eternal being, we know that you have set forth this plan of redemption before the conception of the world, and we praise you for that plan. These great blessings that we have are because you have been gracious to us. Lord, we know that you are sovereign over all things, that whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all depths. Lord, we can trust your sovereignty because you are unchanging, because you are eternal, and you are all these other attributes that we are praising you for this morning. We can trust in your kind intention and purpose for us. And we know that for those who love God, you cause all things to work together for good. And our good is our sanctification for us to become more like Christ, holy and blameless before you. We look forward to the day, Lord, when we are in eternity with you, glorified, a new body, be seeing you face to face without sin, without pain, no separation, Lord, with you forever and ever. This is a magnificent promise, and we put our faith and hope in you. Thank you, Lord, for this morning that we've had so far, just this time to just pause from our busy lives, our schedules, our all the list of things, Lord, where our minds just continually want to run to, of all the things that we need to do. Lord, might we set them aside? Might we just be able to focus our hearts and minds upon this time, these things we've heard this morning, and just drink them in? Fill our hearts and minds with the truth of this word, Lord, this morning, the truth of who you are, that, Lord, you are our God. And we praise you and we thank you for the mighty God that you are, that you are living and alive and active in our lives. And I just pray that you will bless this rest of this day together as we just have had this time to begin this morning with just reflecting and thinking upon who you are, Lord. And we praise you. We ascribe to you the glory due your name, Father, because you are worthy. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, ladies. So, well, we got it done a few minutes earlier than we planned. Amazing, like we got done 